This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Even, even when you, you have all the experience, you have all the qualifications that set out, never stop learning. So just always be sort of a, a student of the game. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Network. Today I'm joined by my special guest, Patrick Wilson. Patrick, uh, for those that don't know, if you just want to let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. Hello, thanks for having me, Yazir. Um, pleasure to, to be with you this morning. But um, yeah, I am a football coach for AFC Bournemouth, and I'm currently working as an elite mentee with the FA. Um, sort of my coaching journey started around 2011, and as, as you can hear, my accent's a bit, bit different. So come from sort of Canada um, and, and did some, some studying, did a, a football scholarship over in America from 2004 to 2008. And I then, after that, had a small, I would say, a small playing career playing over uh, professionally in Belgium and in Hungary. So my coaching journey started roughly around around that time, 2011, where I, I picked up a, an injury, an Achilles injury that stopped me playing at, at a certain certain level. And that's where my coaching journey started. Okay, so just just a bit on that then. So it was just, coaching journey started back in 2011 off the back of an injury. Mm-hmm. How did that look for you? Did you? When you went into coaching, what kind of age groups were you working with? What were some of the things that were going through your mind? Obviously, being in that position where you've gone from being a player, obviously now being exposed to the coaching world, is, how did that open up your mind in terms of coaching? And, you know, did you, did you change your perspective on things in that respect? Yeah, so... I always knew that I wanted to, to be a coach because I've, I've done coaching before, but obviously in America, that didn't have any badges or anything like that. I just sort of worked with youth players or did one-to-one sessions. So I actually, funny enough, I started, my, my coaching journey started on the Isle of Wight. So when I first moved to, to the UK, Bournemouth had a centre on the Isle of Wight. So I was coaching primarily 16 to 19-year-olds and, and I taught the BTEC. But I also work with younger age groups from under fives to, to under 11s. So, yeah, that, that was a learning, learning curve, obviously, working with, with those type of players for the first time. And it just opened my eyes and, and opened my love for, for coaching. Right. So, obviously, you touched on there that you've, you know, you're currently working for Bournemouth and obviously doing work with the England youth teams. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about your roles with, with both organisations. So, with Bournemouth... Um, 
been with the academy for around six seasons now. So started off in the foundation phase, working with the under nines, under tens, under elevens. And currently now I'm working with the under 13s um, in the YDP uh, phase. With that group that I have um, with the under 13s, I'm doing it as a part-time role and I'm working with um, obviously the main coach as well. So I'm just an assistant with that. And it's a good role. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the players. I enjoy being around the players, which which is, it's been a great learning curve for me as well. And I just love interacting with, with those those players as well. So that's probably the, the age group that I, I find myself most comfortable is. It's probably under 12s upwards. Um, the England role that I've had um, as an elite mentee, it allowed me to see different parts of the FA. So I worked as a FAYCD. I worked as a mentor, worked as a county coach developer. I saw those different roles. And then also I worked with um, the under 16 England national team. That in itself is an experience because you, you go in there, you, I did all the, the training camps with them in the year, which some, some of them were 10 day camps and you're at St. George's Park. You're doing uh, friendly matches, you're doing different tournaments that happen. So that was an experience in itself. The players there, elite, elite players, they're all Ferrari players. They're the next set of players that are gonna be millionaires. So you have players from United, Man City, Leicester, Tottenham, Arsenal. So it's the best of the best in one camp. So it was an excellent eye-opener for me just to see the talent that's there in England. And obviously mm. where I want to get, obviously in the future is to work with those type of players. Sure, just touching on that then, you know, you've been exposed to, I guess, those, you know, those Ferrari players, as you put it. Mm -hmm. What would you identify as, I guess, a key difference, I guess, potentially in, in the mindset of those players as opposed to the ones that you maybe been exposed to other other environments? I would say that their, their pathway to them is, is a lot clearer. So the, the, the academies that they're at, they're, they're close. They're, they're that close to getting into that, that route to signing pro deals. So even though that they're 15, 16-year-olds, a lot of them, they're playing under 18s football. One of them from United, he's already playing under 21s football and he's 15, 16. So his pathway, wow. he knows that he's going to be a footballer. It might not be at the club that he's at, but eventually if he has to step down, whether playing in Championship, League yeah. 1, League 2 his pathway to it is going to be greater. And obviously yes. getting X amount of cap, caps this year, the, some of the, the boys probably got, I don't know, seven to, to 10 caps in a year. They know, okay, this is the route that I'm going to take. And I'm, I'm two, three years off of becoming this sort of player at a club. Mm. Yeah, so the pathway to them, they can see it. It's a, it's a bit more clear for them. And how, how would you say that the coaches, I guess, you know, obviously you you are working with the FA and the England setup in that respect, mm -hmm. but is there anything that you, you know, that you think that the coaches in those environments that they may be in are doing differently or doing specifically to support these players, you know, on that, on that journey? I feel because they're, they're all of them are at, at top clubs. So mm. the facilities are better. The coaches, obviously they're all going to be a licensed coaches. They're all going to have sort of that, that background of, of producing players. So I guess I, I think it's down to, they might get a bit more, one-to-one -one time with the players maybe or maybe more sure. con maybe more contact time with the players I would say with them so they can work on those specific details that they need to make to go to the next level I would say so obviously if you're if you're working at maybe a cat three club the facilities yeah. the contact time 
it's 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 not there. Whereas if you're working at a Cat One club, it's there. The world's your oyster. You have pitches upon pitches to to train at. You have all of the cameras working with players. You have the the heart monitors. You have all the the facilities and that's needed for the player to go to the next level. Right. And just feel, you know, just on a bit of a personal note, for you as a coach, what I guess what would you identify as some of the key things for you that need to be in place, um, I guess, to support these players on that journey? All, all of the above, really. So it, it's ca- catering to, to their needs. Obviously, you, you don't need all of, all of that, all the bells and whistles to, to create a player. But it's just if the environment is right for the player, that's where you're going to produce the player. So if you're working on their specific needs, if you're, if you're driving the player and if you know what the player wants to achieve, then you'll be able to do that. You don't need, obviously, all of those things, but those uh, things do help th- those players. And I feel that those players that are, that are playing for England in the age groups, under 15s upwards, they have all that. And it's a lot of it, we're saying we're, we're giving ownership to, to the coaches saying, yeah, they need to do this, this, this. But the ownership for those is, is on the players as well. They're so driven. They know exactly, okay, if I do X, Y, Z in this position, it's going to get me a pro deal in two years. So I think mm. the players, it's a lot of it's on them. Their mindset is a lot different to some of the players that, that we might work with in, in, the, in the lower categories. Sure. So, you know, start again, talking a bit about yourself, since how would you describe your own coaching philosophy? What are the key things for you? And what, you know, how, what does that look like? If you come along to watch a Patrick Wilson session, what does that look like? For me, I, I like to be hands-on sort of thing. Everyone uses Pep uh, as, as the one, the, the role model sort of thing. But I, I like what, what sort of he, he does in a way where he drives a session. He's, he's able as well, even though he's, he's past his playing career, he's able to do demos. So with me, I always sort of capture the players with demonstrations. So a lot of the players that we, we work with, they're very... Yeah. They, they, they can see it. They, they'd rather look at it than to be told what to do. So you already catch your attention if you can show and, and demo. So that, that would be me in a, in a nutshell with it. Teams, how I'd want my team to play, sort of in possession, it's most like every, every academy is very dominant in possession. So want to be, take risk, but calculated risk with it. So I want my teams uh-huh. to be able to play up in the back. I want them to, to be able to, to feel comfortable on the ball in, in all positions. So in possession, can we play through the thirds? Can we play attractive football? And can we look to play forward as early as possible when we can? Out of possession, so if we lose possession, we're always going to have the ball. Can we be compact at times when we need to? But then when we can, I want my team to go and press, press, press. So the teams that do really, really well at the minute, I would say I like leads, how they, how they press. They're mm. pressed there. Sometimes players are going after it, but they're, they're pressing with sort of a purpose. So it's not just one man going and pressing the ball. They're pressing as a team. So I would like my teams to, to be like that as well. I also like out of possession. I say I want my, my, my center halves to be able to be comfortable on the ball, but I want them to be sort of, I say, old school center backs. So that was a position okay. that I grew up playing. So are they able to defend? Are they able to head it sometimes? Are they, are they able to kick it? And a lot of, yeah, a lot of the times when, when, we, when we see academy football as well, there are times when they do need to head it. They do need to clear it away. But some of our players, they, they bring it down in, in the six-yard box and they still try to play out. So it's, it's, Do you feel like yeah. that element of defending has, has, I guess, fallen aside a little bit? 
yeah, it's out, I think I think it's out the window to to be honest. So yeah. if you if you look at teams that are playing cat one football, there's sometimes in possession I don't know sixty percent of the time, so they don't actually mm. work on that art of actually defending, that the old mm. school defending. Whereas a lot of the, those players they're playing cat one football, they're at the arsenals or wherever, they drop down and they're playing league two football. The game looks totally different. So you're gonna get crosses in the box. Every other, every other play. So are you going to be able to head it? Are you going to be able to get touch tight with your player? So those mm. elements of the game, I think as academy coaches, we got to stress to the players all the time to give them sort of an avenue to play at those levels as well. Right. So in terms of obviously supporting that player, how important do you think it is to adopt a multidisciplinary approach? Very important. Very important. I think a lot of clubs they they obviously have people that are specialists in those areas so they might have um specialists in psychology or obviously us as as coaches we're technically tactically aware of what's going on but i feel as coaches we need to nail down all of the four corners i think technically tactically socially physically we have to know a bit about everything but then have mm. those those people that are specialists in that area to then help the player as best as we can. Sure. Just for those listeners who are maybe not in environments where they've got access to all this extra support in terms of, like you said, the psychologists and all mm-hmm. the other, uh, you know, whether that be performance, physical performance coaches and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Have you got any examples of maybe things that you've seen in your, in your experience that has been really useful in supporting a player's development that could be adopted and adapted in a way where, someone could do that outside of the environment where they've got these resources available to them? Yeah, I, I like the fact that the club that I'm at now, we do multi-sports. Okay. So that, that helps the, the kids out a lot. So I would say from foundation phase, from under nines to under 14s, Wednesday evening, they play futsal. So that's giving them an, another element of the game that's going to help them. So we do loads of 1v1s, 2v1s, loads of transition games with them. Yeah that's going to benefit them in the long run when they go out and they're playing 11 v 11 football. Once a month at the club, they do multi-sports. So they play different sports like basketball. They do volleyball, dodgeball. They even sometimes they bring in maybe a gymnast, um, a gymnast coach to help them with that. So with their, their strength, agility, and so on. They even bring in people that do maybe some martial arts. So it's helping them to, to adapt in different ways and they're learning about their bodies in different ways that they can, maybe if they get tackled, yeah, can they roll from that? So it's different elements of the game that they're learning through multi-sports as well. Sure. Just obviously, you just touched on there about futsal and obviously, you know, mm-hmm. it reminded me that you're actually UEFA you B futsal coach yourself. Yes, how have you felt that? How have you felt that element has uh, adapted your coaching, if at all, in any way? You know, do you feel like it's had an impact on the way you now coach and had any effect on I guess the players who are subsequently at your you know under your supervision in that respect yeah futsal it's a it's a growing it's going to be it's going to grow I think in the next probably 10 years it might it might take off and it's good it's also giving I think it gives players another exit route so you might have a player that's come through your academy under 18s it gets released there's been Mm. success stories where they've gone into a futsal environment and they now have x amount of caps for England, or they're playing, they're, there's different leagues around around the country that they're playing in as well. So I feel futsal is, is a great way to introduce probably y- to younger players. I'd say maybe if you're, if you're working under six, 
to maybe under 14, there, there's benefits to it. So loads of touches on the ball. You get loads of those 1v1s, loads of transitions because the game's so quick. Yeah, one minute, you're one second, you're in possession. Another second, you're out of possession. So uh. it, it's such a, a fast-paced game. And you have to think quickly. Yeah, a lot of the things as well with, um, with futsal, it's 5v5, so obviously four outfield players. There's loads of elements that you'll see in 11v11 game. So the fact that you want to have that pivot player. So the pivot player is almost like a number nine. So most futsal, they have the number nine that stays high. You're played into the number nine, and then you get runners off the ball as well. So that looks yeah. similar to what you would play in 11v11. Interesting. And just in, in, in that respect, then that element of having foot, obviously, you know, working in the academy environment, have you got any suggestions or, I guess, advice for coaches who may be not working in those environments and how they could maybe go about accessing the futsal sessions or what they could do to maybe implement some of that stuff into their work? Well, that's a good, good question. So there's a lot of resources probably on, on the FA website that, that they could look at to watch sessions. And just, just always be learning. So YouTube is a, is a, good, a good source as well so to, to watch out. There's always different things in there that they could probably take a, a, a foundation futsal session and use it mm. on the grass, which I like as well. And with futsal, I like as well because it's, it's sunny and nice now. We're, we're 22 degrees, but normally in the, in the winter months, it's raining. So if you have facilities that you could go indoors, you can carry on those sessions and still do what you would be doing. You could still play seven aside indoors mm. using a futsal ball. So it's just giving the kids a different element of, of ways to, to play football. So using the sole of the foot, you could be able to do that indoors a bit more. So it's just developing their, their natural skills that they might be able to use. Definitely. Just challenging different ways. In that different respect. ways, of course. So just, you know, just touched on there, obviously, you know, about coaches making sure they keep learning, they keep practicing different things. Mm-hmm. Question for yourself then, what, you know, what helps to keep you motivated and feel inspired to be your best? Oof, just with me, I'm just, I'm always, always motivated. So I've always, each year, always put sort of like a checklist of, of things that I want to complete, things that I want to want to do. So I think the motivation is sort of within. And obviously, I'm currently now I'm finishing off my UEFA A. And I've, I've said by the end of this season, I would have it finished. But obviously, with the pandemic that we're in, that never happened. So for me, it's sort of restarting, refreshing the the memory and so on and just getting ready to sort of complete that so uh. i'd say for coaches there's always just you always just have to to want more so uh. okay you're at this level you're working with this you always there's always more there's always another thing that you could be doing that's going to help you to get to where you want to go with your end goal definitely and you just just talking a bit about it, like ufa license there you need to mm-hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about your journey how, how, how you found that and what are the key things that you've kind of taken away from that it's been, it's been a long journey, really, to, to get on to, to my A license. So I completed my, my B license, the old B license, in, mm. in 2014. Um, and that was the one where it's literally you get your session and you deliver it. And you deliver it to the candidates that, that are there. So we probably had yeah. 40 UA for B. And it was like mm. a driving test. You, you go there. You do what's asked of you. You use the command start style, stop, stand still, that old, that old phrase. And yeah. then you go and then you go from there. So 2014, completed that. And then yeah. from there, that's when I started to get into the academy environment. Yeah. 
So I think we uh, actually met in 2015 on the UEFA prep course, didn't we? We did on the prep course. Yes, I remember yeah. you from that. that. That was ages ago. So th- I yeah. think does that exist? That the prep course doesn't no, even exist. No, I think anymore. that was. I think that was the final one they did. In fact, yeah. So yeah, I don't think they did anymore after that particular one. So of course, yeah. So I I probably took after completing my B license, I probably took a year off of doing doing any courses, and then the mm. next year I applied, and then obviously wasn't working with the right age group. I was doing foundation phase rejected so then from there I was like okay we've been rejected from that let me concentrate on doing the youth award stuff so I did mm. all that the level one level two got up to the youth award yeah next mm. following year applied for the a license again didn't get on it so I'm like all right let me apply for the advanced youth award mm. so there was a time I think it was roughly around 2017 I was doing the advanced youth award and the UEFA B futsal both yeah. together yeah sure so it was, it was loads of trips up to St. George's Park because AYA, yeah. you're there for, for a certain amount of blocks. Yeah. The, the UEFA B futsal was you had to go up to St. George's Park every, every month, once every month. So I was okay. up there doing journeys. So did those, passed both of those, which was great. And then probably the third time lucky, I was then able to, to get onto the UEFA A course, which, is, which has been a blessing really. And have you found that in terms of obviously now getting onto USA and having to wait a couple of years, do you feel like that it was the best thing for you in that respect now that you've been able to go through obviously UEFA B futsal and obviously advanced youth forward, which I thought was a fantastic course, by the way? Yeah. Um, do you feel like that's actually helped you on your journey a little bit more? Massively, because I guess obviously when you apply for it, you have to have certain criteria to get on the course. And obviously I didn't have the criteria at the time. So it gave me that time to, to work even harder. So to get all the, yeah. get up to speed with everything, get all my, my badges that I needed for it. And it also helped me on, on my journey because then it, it allowed me to coach more. So I know okay, yeah. if I, if I, if I want to be an, an A licensed coach, I have to do this, this, this. So it, it got me onto the grass a bit more and I was doing extra sessions. I was, I was yeah. learning a bit more. So my learning in that period, that three, three seasons of trying to get on the A license, it allowed my learning to take place a bit more, which was beneficial for me. Sure. And what would your advice be to coaches now, maybe potentially listening to this, that are maybe looking to go down that pathway? Because, um, you know, I come across a lot of coaches who kind of want to streamline mm-hmm. that, that process of trying to get through the badges as quick as, we, as, quick as they can. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to those coaches who maybe either have got that mindset or are in a position where they're trying to get onto courses but have been knocked back and haven't been accepted and haven't been really given a, you know, a real solid... Uh, rationale as to why they haven't been accepted as yet mm-hmm. patience patience is a big one because obviously if you're if you're working the, in in the right environment so you're in the e triple p you you have the criteria just to be patient eventually your your time will come i think as well i'm being a bit biased i don't know if i i should say it, but i think people should hold on and try to do their qualifications in england so a lot, mm. of, a lot of people, mm. they haven't got onto the, the FA1 here in, in England. So they go yep. to Ireland, they go to or Wales. Or Scotland or Wales, yeah. Scotland or wherever. But I think it holds weight in the long run with having yep. it for the, for in, in England. I, I totally agree. And I, I feel like, yeah, you know, I can understand people's frustrations and maybe not getting, getting onto the qualifications when exactly they want it. I mean, I, personally speaking, I've been quite fortunate because I've never really had that issue. Of course, uh, yeah. Th- thankfully, whenever I've applied... <laughs> Uh, I've I've been fortunate enough to get on um, first time round in 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 most cases. Mm-hmm. 
so but but I definitely do agree you know the, the advice for those coaches out there looking to that if if you can just be patient and just really try and focus if you're going to if you're going to work in England there's no there's nothing better than, for me than getting the English UEFA A license or UEFA qualifications and that's, mm-hmm. and I, I I can openly say I've not been I've not sat on any of the other qualifications with the other other governing bodies yeah but it definitely through conversations and obviously just you you do you do get the sense that you know getting it from England does hold a lot more weight mm-hmm. in terms of that. Just on that though, how how do you feel? Obviously, you know the FA have, coach education pathway has changed a lot over the you know last three four years. Yeah, um, some would say it's even been diluted a little bit uh, in terms of I guess the standard of coaches coming through. What are your okay. thoughts on that? Oh, diluted. I don't I don't know if it's been diluted. I, I think I I sort of like the change. That, that they've done because it's making it it's making the journey for the coach a bit better so they're working in their environment so the coaches sure. come in they actually see what they actually do at their club mm. they see the progress that they've made with with individual players and, and that sort of thing so i like what the, the fa's fa's done sure i mean mm. one of the criticisms of it that I, you know that i've certainly come across um through conversations with others is that it does seem as if a lot more people are getting put through. Do you think it's easier? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's easier, but mm-hmm. there's a lot more people getting through. Yeah. Um, now, my, my thoughts are personally that I, I'm i for the change. I think it's difficult to manage, I guess, the quality that comes through at the end of the day because yeah. because of the way the pathway has changed. It is a lot more subjective down to the perspective of the coach educator in, in that respect. Yeah. Um, however, I think what one of the definite benefits for me in the new pathway and the current pathway is that you will get a range of mm-hmm. coaches in terms of their styles and the mm-hmm. variances and what you might start to see. And obviously with the emergence of the advanced youth award and qualifications as such, yeah. that you might start to see a, a lot more specialists in different mm-hmm. areas of the game whether that be goalkeeping coaches, yeah. whether that be outfield coaches, whether that be goalkeeping coaches working in the foundation phase specifically or outfield coaches working in youth development phase specifically, I do feel like you're going to start to see a lot more specialist coaches in different areas of the game. I agree. So I definitely think that's one of the, uh, the you know, the benefits of, of of having the pathway the way it is. I think mm-hmm. where it becomes difficult, uh, you know, you touched on it there with your UEFA B licence, it's like a driving test. You show up, you do the session that you've been given mm-hmm. and you just got to deliver it in a way that, the, the, I guess, the tutor delivered it for you guys. Yeah. And if you did that, you were good to go. Now, it's almost, right, it, there's so much of an open interpretation of what that qualification success rate or success session yeah. should look like or series of sessions should look like in that you could do, you could have a fantastic session, but... Mm-hmm. If that if it's if you can't back, if you can't justify why you've done it in the way you've done it that 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 that, that pokes a massive hole in your, I guess your opportunity to get through. Of course, um, yeah. So I do I definitely think from that side of things. In ter- in terms of that, then how, what are your thoughts in terms of I guess the standard of coaches that are being put through and I guess that that argument to say there's not enough quality coming through anymore mm. um, whilst we're getting mass numbers. Yeah, you know, that 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 is obviously something that's been put out there. Yeah. I- I agree with what you're saying in a in a sense, but I'm just thinking at the top of my head. It might might not make sense, but I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there. But it could be just say you have Dan and you have Bob, who both have UEFA A's, mm-hmm. but then you, you, they both have the the qualification. But then 
to get a job, if you're going to get a, a U18 job, a lead coach, or you're going to get a head of coaching, it's going to come down to the better coach, isn't it? So it, for me, I feel like, okay, even though that you, you have that qualification, it doesn't mean that you're the best coach in a sense. So it's going to be, you could give him that, but then the industry is going to decide what jobs you get in, in the future. Sort of thing. 100%. So you, I, I think I think that's what it what it what it boils down to. But I, I do agree, yeah, there are some coaches that, that are on there sort of thing that might not be up to scratch, but then it's a part of their journey. So they're they're on that course and mm. they have X amount of years to work on that sort of thing. They to work on that, to, to develop themselves, to learn sort of the FA lingo, to learn sort of the their their club philosophy as well. And it's mm. just a learning progress progress as well. So they might enter in I don't know, two thousand and twenty not knowing as much, but then they leave and they pass the UEFA B in 2023 and they're a much better coach. So it's all about the journey, I feel. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that, let's just, you know, just following on for that, what's, what, 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 are you, what are your big bugbears when it comes to coaching then? Ooh. For me, it's almost sometimes it's, it could be like the, the environment sort of thing. So there, there are times if, if you're working at, at a, a smaller club, this is where I go back from like Cat 1, Cat two, cat three, smaller clubs. Cat three, it's sometimes you're you're limited to space. It's, it's hard. It's it's hard. It's hard to work with with players on on certain topics with the space that that you're given at, at times. So it's sometimes difficult because you have to then adapt the session to it. So you might be I don't know playing up in the back, but you're playing on a quarter of a pitch. It's mm. very very difficult to sort of bring out those those realistic or those mm. the, the realism of playing off in the back or playing to the thirds or, or different topics. So that's where, again, as coaches, you have to adapt. You have to, to make the session as real as you can for the players and make sure that learning and, and the environment is, is good enough for them to, to continue their, their learning sort of thing. So sometimes it could be, yeah, just, just the size of the pitch or, or what you're given at, at some times. Mm. And there's going to be a lot of coaches listening to, listening to the pod that, Probably mm-hmm. in similar circumstances where they have limited limited space. Mm-hmm. What would what would your you know was there any advice that you would give those coaches there that could have kind of maybe deal with that before they get into those situations? Planning planning's big. So a, a lot of them they okay they, they they might say okay you're getting this amount of the pitch, uh-huh. but then you show up and then you don't even get that amount of the pitch. So it's always sure. maybe just to have like a contingency plan. So uh-huh. okay if they give me this this this. How can I adapt this, the session so that this is happening? So it might be, I might take out a few players from the session. And then if I, maybe if I had like an assistant coach that's there, yeah. the assistant coach could be doing different things with, with the other players that I'm not using at the time. So they're working on different things for their, their individual learning plan that's going to benefit them. So it's always just planning for the next plan for a next plan, I would say. So sure. a, part of your, a part of your session is to, to have your plan that you want but then a contingency plan for for that as well. So just being sure. just being create as as creative as you can to make the session flow. And in the ideal world, you're not you're not there for yourself. You're, you're there for the players. So it's whatever is going to work best for the players. Yeah, sure. And just on that note, mm. then obviously you talked about planning there. I just want to be interested. I'm always interested to ask coaches in terms of what are their key considerations that they make when they're planning their sessions. Ball rolling times big big for me. So making sure that the session. That, that you're gonna have to stop it. That that's always natural, but just to make your your coaching points when you stop it as quick as you can, because as you go up the age groups, 
the players, obviously, they're, they're going to know what's expected for them at, at the club. So they're going to know the club philosophy. They're going to know, yeah, I need to receive as my, my back foot to play for. They're going to know all those coaching cues. So mm-hmm. ball rolling time is going to be massive so that they're not stood there and they're not bored. I feel with that. So I think most sessions, if, if you're driving it, if you're making sure that the ball rolling time is good, then the players are going to get something from it. Mm. And just obviously something else you touched on there of about having an assistant coach. How important is it? And I, and I, I talk about this all the time when I speak to coaches mm-hmm. of how much of I guess a game changer was for me in my sessions when yeah. I understood the importance of working well with a co-coach if you had one available to you. Mm-hmm. It's ma- I think it's massive. Yeah, it I've is massive. Four coaches that maybe have got someone alongside them, but maybe not sure how to utilize them, or maybe they might be that person alongside someone else. Yeah, it, it, it's good. Like the club I'm at now, Bournemouth, they do each age group. We're fortunate enough. We have two to three coaches for, for each age group, which is, which is brilliant. So sometimes it might be the lead, you have the assistant, and then they, 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 they have like coaches that are doing university. They're, they're in uni and they're just like um, apprentice coaches as well. Apprentice coaches are key because then they help you with different things such as setting up the pitch. So kids, just say you've done, I don't know, a keep ball session, you've done a rondo or something like that. The next thing that's going to happen is whatever, a phase of play. So those apprentice coaches can help the assistant coaches to mark out the pitch quickly or to remove the cones, that sort of thing. So if you have two to three coaches, it's massive. The lead coach, they're there just to make sure, obviously, it's run properly the coaching points, the session plan is running smoothly. They're there. They're sort of orchestrating all of that. And I feel like the second coach, the assistant coach is there, and they're the ones that should be doing all of the drive-by coaching. So drive-by coaching is probably working with the individuals as well. So they're yeah. there going by, okay, well, what do you see? What pitches are you seeing? Okay, you receive the ball as a left back. Okay, what options do you have? Or this player has come on the outside. Yeah, does he need to be on a different line from you? So it's putting those sort of probing those questions for the players mm. so that they're, they're always thinking. So I think if you have two to three coaches at, at each, for each age group at a time, it works brilliant. Sure. And then obviously that's stuff you touch on there. Now it's assuming the roles of maybe someone's going to be the lead coach, overseeing the whole thing where you've got some mm-hmm. people, some coaches might actually then go into the nitty gritty and the details around specific individual stuff. So I think that's yeah. very important. Massive. Uh, so for yourself then, Pat, what, you know, you've been coaching for, 10 plus years now yeah well yeah in, in the coming UK up, coming up yeah. to 10 years anyway 10 years yeah um, mm-hmm. so quite a you know a reasonable time in the coaching world mm-hmm. what would you say is your one of your biggest challenges and how have you gone about overcoming that challenge if you even, if you've even overcome it yet yeah no I probably haven't probably haven't even overcome it really so for me it's I need to, to be, I, I say need, it's like a want, but I, I want to be able to, to have that sort of UEFA A status because it's going to, I think it's going to then open up doors for me to, to mm. get sort of higher in what I want to do in, in, a, in a coaching sense. So I, I had, I went to university for, for teaching. So I, I, that was sort of my, my fallback plan after football. So I am doing that with, with the BTEC qualification, which is good. So I'm just trying to open up and, and learn and to do all the, the badges and to make sure that once I get this last one, the UEFA A, that mm-hmm. it holds weight for any job role that I want to try to get in the future. So they'll look at it. Okay, he's had 10 plus years of experience. Okay, he has his UEFA A. 
He has his advanced user board. He has his UEFA B futsal. So it's just like adding strings to the bow so that I can do or 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 any role really that that comes up. I'll, I'll have a good shot of getting different opportunities in the game in the long run. Mm. And obviously you touched there a large part of it is obviously just formal education. Is yeah. there any stuff that you're doing informally right now um, that you feel might be of you know a, a good recommendation for other coaches listening to this? Yeah, just just always be a student, student of the game, really. So just watch as much football as you can. Obviously, there's no football happening at the minute, but I find myself just watching old games. So on YouTube, just going on, like the other day, I watched, um, who was I watching? I watched Chelsea versus AFC Bournemouth. So like clubs are doing a good job of showing the whole game live. And for me, student of the game, I'll just set out, okay, look, I'm going to watch the center mids from both teams. So I'm going to watch their movement how they receive the ball, what are they doing in and out of possession. So right. I'd say watch as much football as you can and and just take little bits that you want to get from that game and just write it down, have notebooks, put it in notes in your phone, different things that's going to help you on your journey as a coach. Mm. And just, uh, you know, in line, in line with that, you know, the whole informal learning stuff, I'm just interested to know whether you've had any major influences possibly in the form of a mentor in your mm. journey, in your coaching journey today and they know and if so what you know what is probably the biggest lesson that you'd say you've taken away from that situation so to be honest it, you, you're gonna laugh in a sentence but and i'm not saying this because i'm on this call with you but it, it's it's been you to be honest so we our paths cross on that prep course and i didn't actually meet you probably until we both run the, the aya so you yeah. know the, the aya everyone comes together and then you get broken off foundation phase ydp pro phase so it's been sure. it's been it's been you sort of thing because i i see what what you're trying to do your 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 goal in a sense so with you you've you you've done the groundwork you've done all the badges you've done your a you've done your goalkeeping you've done your aya you're trying to fit together where you want to go and then right. now you you've had that sort of that bump in the road as, as finding a role, a full-time role is of what you want in, in, in the academy environment. And now you've branched off and you're doing stuff with the FA, which, is, which has been good. So I see what you're doing and just little things like the WhatsApp groups that you have, or there's been times where you haven't heard from me in a while and you'll just drop me a message just to check in. So I would say for you, I see what you're trying to do. I see where you're trying to get. That's you, You've been sort of a, a mentor to me in the last what four or five years since since knowing you brilliant well i'm just you know that's mm. surprising to hear so, you know i'm <laughs> i'm flattering you a bit yeah but that it's <laughs> it, it's it's that that's been a, a true true statement when when you when i i think of you that's that's the person that first person that comes to mind because you, you've, you've sort of helped me and guided me on on my journey with that well listen if it's got you to where you got so far you know i'm glad to be of assistance in that journey um mm-hmm wasn't the answer I was expecting, but okay. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from that then? Don't, don't give up. It's sure. is a big one. So when you've talked about going on different, different, um, what job applications you put in your CV, it might not have come back or you've got to the interview stage and you might've even landed a role, but then the role wasn't what you wanted sort of thing. So for mm. me, it's always know, know your worth. To know that, okay, I, I want to be in full-time football, but it has to be right for me. It has to be right for my family as well. So I think that's that's what I've picked up most. Mm. And obviously, there's going to be different avenues that you go. 
So you obviously, everyone wants to be full-time football. Everyone wants to be under 18's lead coach at a cat one club. Most people want to do that. But then there's other people that the journey might then go into different things. You might become a mentor or you might be, I don't know, physio. There's different realms that, that you could do. And that yeah. might yeah. eventually then it curves and then you reach where you want to go. Definitely, yeah. 100%. I think it is about having a bit more of a... Some For some people, it is about taking a scenic route in terms of your coaching journey, mm-hmm. um, building those experiences, building that network and getting exposure to different things. So that might help you, and I guess, adapt your your coaching practice in a mm-hmm. way where it makes it unique. Yeah, of course. I and networking, so. networking is key. Sorry, I cut yeah. off. Networking is is massive because it's 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 who you know mm. most of the time, not what you know. It's who you know. Hundred percent. I think you know. Just touching back on what I was saying there about developing your craft a little bit and expanding what that looks like for me. One of the biggest, I guess, game changes for me was actually going that having a bit of experience down the goalkeeping route in particular because mm. it definitely mm-hmm. opened my eyes up in terms of how much more impact I could have with the players I'm working with and it, it helped me learn a lot more about the goalkeeping position obviously as mm-hmm. well as supporting my outfield players in terms of developing that relationship between the players and the goalkeepers in particular. Yeah. Just massive, you know. Just obviously now looking back at your journey and your your experiences as a coach to date. Mm-hmm. If you could turn back the time and talk to yourself when you first got into coaching, it's going to take you back to two thousand and eleven. I think you said it was. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to that 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 coach coming off? You know, getting involved in coaching off the back of a playing injury, or mm-hmm. just getting into coaching in general. What would your advice be if you could go back and speak to that Patrick Wilson back then? It's a good question. It's probably just almost like you just gotta gotta roll 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 with the with the punches. So you, you might have okay, I want to do this, 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 but your route to that, where you want to go, is going to be totally different. So for me, on my journey, I never would have thought for three years I would have lived on the Isle of Wight, and I feel that that was like a good experience for me because obviously it started me on my like proper coaching journey mm. there was there was times where you, you had to I, I always laugh about this but there was times where you, you had to build the goal so you, if you if you think like an 11 aside goal it wasn't it wasn't set up so you'd have to go you'd have to carry the post carry the other post carry the crossbar put it up then you'd have to put up the net sort of thing so it was almost like a humbling humbling beginnings i would say mm. so but then it's it's all a part of your journey so when you look back at that you're like okay i've done that if if they've if a club asked me to do this 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 i've already done this i've already built an 11 aside goal for our kids to train and to play mm. little things like i started off when i was on the isle of Wight. i was doing the coaching as well but i was doing after school clubs as well Mm. And after school clubs, as most people know, is, is almost like babysitting. It's for it's for some of the players or the kids that are there. It's because their their mum or their dad doesn't finish work until five. So they just throw them into football. So yeah. They might not even be into football. But again, you're working with those players. You're interacting with them. And you're picking up little bits that's going to then help you with your end goal of maybe working in a first team environment or being a head of coaching at, at a club. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's just it's just really just any I would say any experience that you can get, take it because sure. it's going to then help you and and mold you into into the culture, into the person, the individual that you want to be with in in your end goal. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what's next for Patrick Wilson? Two thousand twenty Premier League Premier League Academy coach 
England youth team coach. Mm. Yeah, well, for me, the, the England, the England stuff was was a great experience. But that for for the elite mentee stuff, that was only that was only for a year. So it was a year experience. I, I needed that that time away from from my my everyday job that I was doing, and it was it was a, a like phenomenal experience. I got to work with with coaches. Justin Cochran, who who's the main, um, he, he used to work at, at Tottenham, but he was the main coach for 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 the under 16s. Learned so much from him and the other team, the the other members of the team. So it was it was really really good. So up next for me, I'm going to go back sort of in into my my comfort zone sort of thing. So I'm going to be delivering the the B Tech qualification and coaching with um Pro Direct Academy. Okay. So it's an academy across across the UK that have different centers. So the center that I'll be working with is that in in Dorset, so so near me in, in in Bournemouth sort of area. So I'll be doing that, which again for me is going to be good for for my development because it gets me back in coaching seven days a week. So I'll do that. It, it is Monday through till Friday. So they'll do education mm-hmm. in the morning, and then I'm on the grass every day for two hours. But and again, that's going to be alongside your Bournemouth stuff, is that? alongside my Bournemouth stuff yeah so I'll still do that full-time and then I'll do the Bournemouth stuff working I think I should be with either the, the under 13s or the under 14s this season part-time so that will that will use up my my Tuesday evenings Wednesday evenings and then the match day on the Sunday sure. so it's gonna get it get me back into football seven days a week which mm. is where I'm gonna learn more because I'm gonna be on the grass mm. whereas with the mentee program I was with, the FA, it's been brilliant. But there were times where I wasn't always on the grass coaching. Yeah. So I was I was observing sessions or I was being a mentor. So I was on the grass but helping another coach. But for me, where the last six years or, or ten to yeah, ten years or so, I've been on the grass every day coaching, which is where I feel most comfortable. Sure. Mm-hmm. So just a last one, you know, before I kind of leave you to go now, you know, if, if you had 60 seconds to leave the listeners with one golden nugget to take forward with them, what would that be? Never, never, ever stop learning. Even, even when you, you have all the experience, you have all the qualifications that set out, never stop learning. So just always be sort of a, a student of the game. And I would say watch as much football as you can even if you're if you're looking at a session it might be even a level one or a level two like candidate delivering a session you might be able to pick up little things that you can adapt and use for your elite environments sort of things so always be a student of the game and always learn if we look at some like the managers like club pep they're always learning they're always doing different things they're always keeping themselves busy with what they want to do so there might be clipping footage they might be okay, designing sessions a week in advance sort of thing. So they're always, football is sort of like their, their life. So I would say for them, for, for coaches that are coming up, it has to be your life. It has to be like almost like your drug that you, if you don't have it, you, you're missing it. So always just keep yourself busy. Always do little bits that are going to help you in the long run to, to get to where you want to go as a coach. So be obsessed, yeah? Obsessed. It's the only way, to be honest, because yeah. though those elite elite players that you see, so the ones like I don't know Hazard, all the great players, Benzema, they're obsessed with it. They, mm, like I, mm. yeah, like with us as coaches as well. It's probably when was my last session? March, March fourteenth or something like that. So it's been two months where I haven't been on the grass. I miss yeah. it. I miss I miss showing a demo. I miss 
yeah, moving a player in this position so that they'll be able to attack the ball during a cross. I miss all that. So when the lockdown is over, to get back to it, it's going to be an amazing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, listen, Pastor Luke, it's been a very, very good conversation today and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, just before I let you go, if you just want to let the listeners know, if, you know, where to get in touch with you, if you have any questions or want to get in touch with you directly. Yeah, so I'm pretty much on, on all of the the social media sort of thing. So I, I use Twitter quite a bit to so just go through on that. I, I throw motivational quotes up and so on. So my Twitter is at underscore Patrick G. Wilson. That's pretty much where, where I do most of my stuff, really. Yeah, it's just all football quotes and and just I like to connect with people on on, on Instagram sort of mm-hmm. thing and, and, and Twitter and, and that. Yeah, my Instagram handle is the same as well. So it is just Patrick G. Wilson. So if you ever want to follow me or or write a give me a direct message, I'm I'm open just to have a, a, a discussion really with people. Well, there you have it, guys. It's another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye out on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.